The words were just sung, and now hear them read. This is the text for Epiphany, Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child and Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. So, who are the characters in this Christmas story? This is Epiphany, January the 6th. We've passed the 12 days of Christmas. Most of us have probably put away our Christmas creches and our Christmas candles, maybe taken down the Christmas tree. Perhaps we've taken down all the lights too, but we get another look at the Christmas story. So who are the characters of this story? We can probably answer it in our sleep without even thinking, right? There's Mary and Joseph. There's the babe in the manger. There's the angels out proclaiming this birth to the shepherds, shepherds in the fields who have to run to Bethlehem to see this thing that's happened. Maybe there's some animals around. We like that idea. It fills our imaginations. And then there's the wise men, these magi. All of the first characters come from the gospel according to Luke the wise men come from Matthew chapter 2, which we just read. And all these characters together kind of make up in our imaginations all the characters of the wonderful Christmas story. They are found in paintings and poems and songs and Christmas pageants. But who are these wise men? Who are they really? Matthew says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. 
Other translations say magi. What's a magi? How many is a magi? Where are they from? We have in our vivid imaginations as a story that there were how many wise men? Three. But it doesn't say three. Maybe we think it's three because they bring gifts, and there are three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe we have it in our vivid imaginations that we're three because we have that wonderful hymn, We Three Kings, but it doesn't say three, nor does it say kings. So who are these folks, and how did they emerge in our vivid imaginations of this story? Presbyterian minister and professor Kenneth Bailey lived most of his life in the Middle East, in the Holy Land, and he spent his life there teaching and studying the scriptures, especially from the local Middle Eastern perspective. Kenneth Bailey reminds us that if there were three, if there were even wise men in the East who say that they saw a star, they would be from east of Israel, right? That would mean, A, they're not Jews. They're not from Israel. They're from the east, Gentiles. And B, that they were most likely from Arabia. That would mean the land across the Jordan River, across what is now the country of Jordan, across what is now Saudi Arabia, from Arabia, even as far away as modern-day Iraq. The story says that they were from the east. Not exactly where they were from, but they were from the east, and they saw a star, and they followed it. The word magi refers to people from the east, specifically, as the anthem says, from Arabia, Persia, that region east of the Holy Land, east of Israel. The story also says that these people from the east arrived with gifts, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold was mined in Arabia. Frankincense and myrrh were harvested from trees that only grew in southern Arabia. Frankincense was a highly fragrant, high-quality incense. Myrrh was a gummy paste that came off the trees and was often made into very fragrant beads. So Bailey says that wealthy dwellers in those desert regions of Arabia would naturally have access to gold, and frankincense, and myrrh, and all three of these would be very cherished items. Moreover, Bailey points out that in the early 1920s, a British scholar visited a Bedouin tribe in Jordan. Bedouins have a long history of traversing that dry, arid Arabia. This particular tribe had an Arabic name that meant those who study the planets. Why were they called by that name? They said that their ancestors studied the planets and their ancestors traveled west to, Bab to Palestine to show honor to the great prophet Jesus who was born there. So many interesting details. 
The point is not in all the interesting details. The point is in the story. Wise men, three or six, magi, what are they? Where they came from exactly? That's not so important. What's so important is the message of the story. Gentiles, people from far away from the place where Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born in Israel, near Jerusalem, people from far away, Gentiles, see the star, follow the signs, and are drawn to Jesus. God is real in Jesus. They're drawn to this one. God is at work in Jesus. They're drawn to this one. God is present and active in their lives and in our lives. That's the message. God comes to us in Jesus to bring us life and hope. Do we respond like Herod with fear, with sinister plotting and plans, with aggressive intentions? Do we respond out of our selfishness? How does this affect me? Or do we respond like the wise men? The wise men from the east are drawn into the story. We're all drawn into the story. The story is about God, the divine, coming to earth, emerging in dusty and tumultuous lives just like ours, God's arrival deserves our great attention and God's arrival demands that our lives take on a different course. That's the essence of Epiphany. Epiphany, with a capital E, is a Christian festival that celebrates the manifestation of the divine nature of Jesus to the whole world represented in the wise men, the magi from Persia, from Arabia, from the east. Indeed, epiphany, God and God's coming in Jesus is revealed to the whole world. That's the message. God's coming is, is meant to engage our hearts. It's meant to engage our gifts. It's a meant, meant to engage the way we live. It's meant to engage how we, our journeys go from that day forward. So think about it like this. Once upon a time, there were three wise men. Yeah, okay, three. Very wise men. And they were each sitting in their own country somewhere in the east in Arabia. They were all minding their own businesses when a bright star appeared in the sky. And it wasn't clear whether the star was really and truly burning in the sky or was it just burning deeply in their hearts and lives such that they all saw it and they had to respond to it. It was so bright they couldn't not respond. They had to respond to it. They were wise enough to pay attention to it because it was so bright. Something beyond them was calling them. It was a tug that they had been waiting all their lives to feel, to see, to sense, waiting for it. Each one of these wise men in his own country had tried books, had tried magic, 
had tried the latest fad, the latest gadget. Each had tried to figure out the stars or figure out the cards or figure out the reading of palms or figure out fortunes, their own fortune, someone else's fortune. Maybe even one had set his diet only on certain herbs. Another maybe had tried to walk on hot coals. Another had gone off for silence for months on end. You get the point. None of that proved real or helpful beyond the most immediate. Where does real life come from? Where does real light come from? These wise men were experienced in searching for it. They were experts in longing for it. And clearly, this bright star was calling them. It was calling them away. Calling them away from everything they knew how to manage calling them away from all their familiar ways of doing things, managing things, getting on in life. This star was calling them away from the reputations that they had built for themselves, calling them away from all the sense of security that they had established, all the familiar comforts that surrounded them. It was calling them away. You know, the Bible is full of stories of of people being called away to God in new and fresh ways. And here is one of those stories. So they, each one, set out. And on the way, they ran into each other because what they had in common was the star, the compelling star and where it was leading them. So clear, they had to follow it. They followed it all the way to Jerusalem, not to Herod's court, but to Jerusalem was leading them actually to Bethlehem and they followed it and it says this. They followed it until it stopped over the place where the child was and they were overjoyed. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another way. End quote. Epiphany. Epiphany. With a capital E. The manifestation of the divine nature of Jesus to the Gentiles represented by the Magi, the wise men from Arabia, The coming of Jesus is the coming of God into the world, the whole world. And he's not a savior just for a small select tribe of people. He's the light and hope of the whole world. We are drawn in, all of us. We are sent out, all of us. We are drawn in to the journey toward him, drawn with our lives, drawn with our cherished gifts. And then we are sent out to live in new ways because of him. Sent out to go on our own journeys another way with love and kindness, with peace and hope. God's ways, maybe. That's how we're called to live. God's wholeness and hope. That's how we're called to live. Epiphany. Epiphany, with a small e, Epiphany is a word that we use when 
we finally see the essence of something. It's a perception of reality that gives us new and deeper insight that we hadn't noticed before. We hadn't appreciated it like this before. It's a fresh realization, a keen insight that changes how we see, how we sense things, how we function, how we live in the world. Epiphany. I wonder if you've seen the latest production of Victor Hugo's epic play, Les Miserables. Well, it's currently playing in the movie theaters, and it has a pretty stellar cast, Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway and Russell Crowe and a lot of others. Les Miserables was first published in 1862, and it was actually considered one of the greatest novels in the whole 19th century. It was a famous and well-done French production. Les Miserables actually has become the longest-running musical in all of Broadway's history, and now it's a film. Les Miserables has all this life and vitality because it's such a compelling and complicated story of hope and heartache, of suffering and struggle, of love and loss. And the whole story hinges on a major epiphany. A major epiphany of the main character, Jean Valjean, who was a convict, who broke his parole by stealing bread, by stealing uh, silver from a church, only to be showered with grace by priest, by the priest in that church, who, when the police bring the convict and the silver back to the church, the priest says, indeed, Jean Valjean was given the silver and he actually left the candlesticks that he should have taken to. In that moment, that moment of epiphany, that realization of what life is really about, what is it? Grace, not judgment. Love, not hate. Hope, not despair. That's what life's about. In that moment, his life was changed. Not everyone sees it. Especially Havert, a policeman who pursues Jean Valjean for decades, that's what the movie's also about. Not everyone is open to renewal and redemption. Not everyone can sense it. Life is hard. Life is full of loss. But Les Miserables and the gospel message affirm that grace is the way of the world. Love is the way of the world. God's presence that's the promise. God's peace, that's the way of the world. God's way. It's always about what we're drawn to, isn't it? It's always about how we see things, isn't it? It's always about how we function. Epiphany. 
The story of the wise men drawn to Jesus from miles away and across the world with gifts and commitment, going home another way. That's meant to be the story of our lives. We have many worries. We worry about the fiscal cliff and the volatile economy. We have too many guns on our streets and in our society and too much killing. We have poverty on our streets and poverty in our hearts. We have struggles, all of us. Worries about our lives, worries about our children, worries about our community and our world. Life is hard. Life is complicated. Life is full of uncertainty. And we're all seeking. We have lots of questions. We even try many things. We're on a journey. The journey leads us to Jesus. God appears in the flesh, in Jesus. Jesus is God made present in our world and in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus is worthy of our attention, our gifts, our going far for his sake. Jesus' life intends to guide our lives. May it be so as we move into this new year, as we deal with whatever we're dealing with, as we seek to become more and more God's wholesome and hopeful people. May Jesus guide our lives. Alleluia. Amen.